Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots as well as free returns and exchanges and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Welcome to another episode of Woods and Waters Project Podcast. I'm your host, Steph, and I am so happy you're here. This episode is awesome and like speaks to all my wild, crazy ideas and dreams since childhood, and I hope you guys enjoy it. Get the the wonder and excitement behind it all. But this guest, his name's Justin. He's an Iowa boy, grew up hunting, grew up in the outdoors. But he did what a lot of people talk about, or at least the people I grew up around talk about, and just packing everything up, quitting the job, and starting over. Like, really starting over. Like, really starting over. Justin and the girlfriend quit their jobs, move out to Alaska with no job lined up, and basically start their lives all over. And this is a story about that and taking risks and chasing dreams and just going for it. But it's also about hard work and doing things that nowadays you don't really hear about. Hopefully this story resonates with you guys and motivates you, inspires you to go after that thing you're thinking about. Uh, If you are interested in Alaska, like the great unknown, the, to me, like, what seems like the most magical place in the United States. <laughs> if if you if you want to learn about taxidermy, if you want to hear and be inspired to just start your career all over and start fresh, this is also your episode. And I think in a time like we're in right now, there's a lot of people reflecting on what their life has looked like and is this what I really want? And I think this is the perfect episode to hit home. So I'm so glad you're here and welcome to episode 30. Here we go.
Justin. Welcome to Woods and Waters Project. Thanks for joining me on a call today. You are in Alaska, yes? Is I that am, where you are yes. right now? Yep. What part of Alaska are you in? So I live in Anchorage, Alaska. Um, it was, uh, you know, and I don't know how quickly these get turned around, but it, it, you know, we're in the end, uh, end of March right now. So we were, we were like 34 degrees today, but it did snow a little bit. And so, you know, it was, I just recently came back from Iowa and it snowed there too. So really it was no change for me. It certainly wasn't what I would call like a, you know, beach vacation. Um, but yeah, it is, it's uh, about 34 and snowing in Anchorage today. Awesome. That I have never, I've never been to Alaska and it is, it's always been on my list, top of my list. I'm currently, I'm actually in my truck right now in Canastota, South Dakota. Um, I followed Jacob on the snow goose migration. He's a snow goose guide, which you know that I think, uh, I do. Yep. Yeah. And so I followed him because I work remotely as well. And then in my free time, um, he's made me a grunt worker. So I'll help scrape spreads or scout. And I'm just trying to learn a lot. Um, I would really like to guide in the future. And so I'm just working nonstop while I'm out here. And right now, uh, some of our buddies from Iowa came out to South Dakota. They just made me, I'm really not a drinker, so if I get a little goofy, I apologize, because they made me a really strong vodka orange juice for my podcast with you today. <laughs> and, um, well, we're having a party, because yeah. I had a monster for breakfast, so, you know. <laughs> Perfect. And I'm sitting in my truck, uh, talking to you, and I am like, I am I am so excited to ask you all the things. Um so you had said that you're in Alaska currently, but you are from, you were born and raised in Iowa, yes? I was, yep. So I spent the first 27 years of my life in Iowa. Um, I was right around the Iowa City area, just south of, and uh, and that's actually how I met um, your boyfriend, Jacob, was, I think, I don't even remember how we met, but we were, I, I used to do some sales, and I just remember talking to him in a, like a, uh, a garage setting like he was getting a set of tires put on a pickup or something like that and uh, i was in the back and we were talking and talking about hunting and and different things and then we were friends on facebook and th it was just kind of like that that's how he and i know each other which then led you and i to uh, mm -hmm. to have this conversation so right. um and jacob has hunted a couple fields at my family's own for snow geese and so <laughs> that was kind of how a little bit how we stayed in touch and then uh through social media um snapchat actually so i'm, I'm a taxidermist <laughs> so i send some some cool snaps you know a little bit of different stuff that you might not get that same uh what i'm eating for lunch or what i'm watching for tv after work those kind of snaps i don't really send those so you get a lot of like weird and wild things yeah. for me so yeah, that's uh which he he appreciates and it sounds like yeah he's been sharing with you so yeah that's that leads us to where we are that's that the, the little bit of backstory where this came from yeah he thinks uh the world of you and um thinks you're a pretty <laughs> pretty awesome dude like he really does he's a he's a he's a fan um yeah. and that has made me a fan because i feel like i've followed along and know a little bit about you and when he um told me i needed to have you on my podcast i was like yes yeah i do i absolutely do yeah. and i'm so excited you're well here. the little alaska flair never never heard anything yeah and, and, and to be from the same area as him and uh, you know and to get where i am now you know we'll kind of touch on that here in a little bit mm -hmm. but uh yeah it's kind of a 
a neat story and something I hope that everybody can, everybody that's a dreamer can relate to and or maybe do themselves. You know, I, I the way that you're, you're talking about me here doesn't really represent the way I feel that I am. I'm not that cool. <laughs> I'm not that tough. I'm not any of those things. I'm nobody special. And I've done all this stuff. And so my hope is that, you know, again, that relatability that, you know, whoever's listening, you may think too, I'm nobody. I could never do that. Well, you can. And so that's, that's, what's cool about it. You know, this country we live in. So 100%. do whatever you want. hundred yep. percent. Actually, that's so. in fact, to me, what makes you like so awesome is because you are like an average everyday guy who did yep. some really cool stuff that we're going to talk about. Uh, that's exactly like, that's, kind of the lens I'm starting to see myself in. Like I'm really starting to get out of my comfort zone, do a lot of cool things and pushing myself. And I'm like a very average Iowa girl, you know? And like, I am just, I'm just so excited to talk about this because that's exactly what makes you so cool to me is you are like this, like everyday guy. So, yep. Um, and that does not hurt my feelings. We could definitely <laughs> keep saying that. Like, yep. I'm that everyday guy, Yeah. you know, who's, getting gas next to you at the gas pump or passes you in the grocery store, that's me, you know, that guy. Yep. So, um, you know, I don't walk around with these, we joked a little bit before the show, these banners, you know, I don't have this Bowtech banner. I don't have all these things. I'm not, I'm not that cool. I, <laughs> I don't, I think I have less than 200 people on Instagram, you know, nobody, I'm just nobody. So um, obviously there are a lot of people that are a lot cooler than me. But again, that relatability hopefully comes in to, yeah, I'll keep saying it, shed light on yeah. that you could do this too. So. Well, since we like skipped it completely, um, mm -hmm. Justin, would you like briefly introduce yourself and who you are? Yep. Yep. Absolutely. So, um, yeah, I think you, you have to know that to, to, you know, where I came from to know where I am now to where maybe I go in the future. So, uh, yeah, Justin Houseel from Riverside, Iowa, um, was moved around the state a little bit when I was younger, but, uh, you know, I call Riverside my, my home. That's about 20 minutes south of Iowa City. Everybody has heard of the Hawkeyes if you're into sports, so that's a pretty easy, you know, place to kind of put me where I was in the state. started out um, not being much of a hunter. My my dad wasn't much of a hunter, um, and, not, and so we... I kind of got into it just through some friends and whatnot. Uh, my dad did hunt... But due to some things, he just kind of quit, you know, and that was cool. And so, um, yeah, I got into it just through friends. And honestly, through bow fishing was a big thing for me back when I was younger. So um, I started out doing that. And that kind of led into wanting to pick up, a, you know, obviously a regular bow and, and shoot and do that kind of stuff. That led to bow hunting. Um, and then you just really started to figure out who I wanted to or what I like to do, I guess. You know, when you're younger, you don't really always <laughs> have a direction in life. I don't know if I still do. And so, um, yeah, that's kind of where, where it started, I guess. And I've been very fortunate to have a lot of friends who were older than myself. And so if you don't have any of those, go find them, get them, and be friends with people older than you because they've already done it. And you can knock off years of struggling if you just get with some people that are, are smarter than you. Um, and so, or, or, or older and, um, and I, yeah, that's kind of where it started. Yeah. I did, I started out as a bow hunter and then 
that I live in Alaska. So. Oh my God. I am like, okay, I didn't really know that. And I just am like getting all the feels right now. Cause I can relate to so much of what you're saying. It's like, it's, it's just already very <laughs> relatable for me yeah. personally. Well, I guess if I, if you want me to carry on, I, I um, I was a salesman for yeah. a little while, so I could just talk. So, yeah, I guess. So I sold auto parts. Actually, I, yeah, to show how much of nobody I was, <laughs> I worked at AutoZone in Iowa City for quite a few years. Um, I then got picked up by another company in town there and was made their outside sales rep. Um, I left from there um, because due to bow fishing um, and, and life is all about to me the connections you make with people and the relationships you have with other people so you never know where life could take you I, i'm sitting between my two bosses who were super cool guys and i get a phone call one day from a, a gentleman who i had met months before who was like i was Okay, I need to back up. I apologize. So I was, through bow fishing, friends with a rep who sold outdoor products. Um, you know, and I, it doesn't necessarily matter what they were. He sold outdoor products. He asked me if I would go with him to a show and kind of work and be his grunt, as you mentioned earlier, you know, and like kind of chat with people and whatnot. And so we did that. After that, he let me go do one on my own. I then met this other gentleman who they ended up, long story short, they hired me to be a sales rep for outdoor products. I worked for um, like Colt Firearms, Thompson Center, Shadowhunter Blinds, K-Bar Knives. You know, we had 32 different lines of products. And that's where, you know, to get up as like at the time as a hunter, and now you get to go sell guns and work with Cabela's and be with their buying agents and go to, you know, behind the scenes meetings with Gander Mountain. I did all that stuff. It was awesome. Um, and so that was where I was in my, my last job right before I left and moved to Alaska. And so, yeah, it was crazy how you never know what's going to happen. Again, I was saying I was sitting between my two bosses when my phone rings with this weird Missouri number. My answer, hello, you know, this was kind of before they called and asked you or tell you that your car warranty was up. So you answered numbers you didn't know. <laughs> um, and so I, I, you know, and this this guy, hey, uh, you know, I was wondering if you wanted to come work for us, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, wow, I never thought I'd hear from that guy ever again. And so it's pretty cool, that, you know, just the doors that have opened for me throughout my life. I've been very, very fortunate. Um, but again, that's just being... Um, making relationships with everybody being a little bit social i guess but not you know too much so but yeah that was kind of where i i was prior to moving here um and so i guess i'll carry on with that story so i also had um since i was on the road i didn't really live anywhere i was an on-the-road salesman i had iowa minnesota north and south dakota that was my territory so pretty broad territory um, I wasn't around a lot. I was always sure I was back for um, hunting and fishing and bow fishing and doing that kind of stuff when I could. Shed hunting is another big one that I love to do. And um, and so I was making some pretty good money. Um, I got it. I only bring that up because it is kind of important towards the end of this, I guess, is so I was making more than I do now um, by, by quite a bit. And I had bought 36 acres of property. You know, you're like a young man. I was 24 four years old at the time 
and uh, was like moving forward with life, right? Making investments and doing these things. Yeah, yeah I was uh, moving forward in life, and uh, so I I met this girl. Uh, that's always a not not always a good way to say things, but yeah, I met this girl, and so you know we're getting pretty serious and having conversations about the future. And she had just graduated from the University of Iowa, and we're looking at like, well, what do we what do we want to do with our lives? And I've lived in Iowa my whole life. She'd lived in Iowa her whole life. Um, she was over from the Omaha area, so she was had moved away from her family a little bit and was ready to kind of do that again. So as time was going on, we were rattling off states that we would maybe move to, and which wasn't really part of the plan when I bought this this little farm that I had down here and was like planning on building a house and carrying on my life as being this salesman that could make, you know, good money. We'll just call it that. And so, you know, she would say Illinois, I would say Montana. She would say <laughs> New York, I would say Wyoming. You see where I'm going with, mm-hmm. with this. One day I mouth off, which I do all the time, and I say <laughs> Alaska. She turns and looks at me and goes, okay. Well, here we are six months later. There we are. Six months later, I've sold a second truck that I had. The 36 acres sold in like two weeks. Um, I had bought an enclosed trailer from her like grandpa's friend that was brand new for $3,000 less than it was worth. Um, All these things are like really coming into line. And so, yeah, we moved. (laughs) We moved to Alaska. And it was kind of crazy. You know, I, I had, you know, quit my job or whatnot with the, the sales company. And so there we were. Now, the disclaimer with that is we had, we didn't know a single person in Alaska. I didn't. Apparently, she actually did know one guy that lived in Alaska that was a family friend, um, which I didn't find out till we, like, got there. So we knew nobody. We had no jobs. We had, you know, she's fresh out of college. I just quit my job and we had no apartment, no housing, no nothing. The only thing that we even had going for us at all was through Cabela's. I had come up here and done a training like two years prior to, so I had at least been to Alaska once. She had never (laughs) even been here. And so there we are loading up this trailer like a, no offense, like a couple hippies the only difference was we had a little bit of money, and so that tends not to be a thing with them. But, yeah, we just <laughs> moved to Alaska. Like, that was so stupid. And so, uh, you know, we we didn't even know where we were going to go. I was like, well, we got to go to Anchorage. 250,000 people. It's a big enough town. You know, we, we'll find jobs there. And so um, another little funny part of that was we were – First day, like first leg out of, I, like we'll call it Iowa City. We made it, and you'll know where this is, to the Tanger outlet, and the water pump goes out of my truck. And so there we are on the side of the highway. We've made it like 30 miles, and we're dead in the water on the side of the road. I'm like, wow, that's cool. Well, you know, great trip to Alaska. This is going to be. And uh, But we get that fixed, and, yeah, the rest of the 3,600 miles we drove up here was pretty awesome and so we come rolling into town she'd been trying to get a hold of this family friend you know we, we have nothing 
nowhere to stay. We're just like, well, we'll just sleep in the truck. That's what we've been doing. I had one of those mega cab pickups. So we've just been sleeping in the back of the truck. And, uh, yeah, he ends up hooking up with us. We get an apartment. We do this, you know, do the thing. And uh, they actually didn't want to give us, uh, didn't want to let us live there because they're like, oh, you have no jobs? <laughs> um, no. You know, that's always weird. And I'm like, I tell you what, I'll pay you six months in advance for rent. Oh, yeah, you can live here. Yeah, that's totally fine. I'm like, oh, well, there's the one time in my life where money actually fixed something. And so, uh, but yeah, the only kind of how I became a, a taxidermist, I guess, to roll from that into kind of where I'm at now and how this all led into these kind of cool hunting stories. Um, there's a large taxidermy shop. I'm not going to put any plugs in here. There's a large taxidermy shop in, in Anchorage. It's the largest one in the state of Alaska. We're in the top 10% in the country um, as far as size, you know, 11, 11 to 13 employees at a time, which is not your back home garage taxidermist, you know, that you drop it off in his garage and uh, or his basement, which is still, I mean, there's a lot of good work that comes out of there too. But um, yeah, I roll up. I still have the trailer hooked onto my truck and I pull in and I, I'm like, hey, I, I think it's hunting season. Are you guys hiring? And, uh, the, which never happens. My boss was actually in the front and uh, the front of the shop. And he goes, um, I don't know. Here's an application. Come back tomorrow. <laughs> I'm like, cool. All right. Thanks. Took that, walked out. Um, you know, and this was like maybe day four of being here. So I've like found a place to live and I got my driver's license so that I could be, you know, start my 12 months of residency. Um, because that you have to be a, you have to be a, in Alaska for 12 consecutive months before you can get a resident hunting license. So instead of paying these obnoxious, as all states are, obnoxious hunting license or you know tag fees and all that, yeah. once you become a resident, you don't have to worry about about all that. So immediately down to the DOT, got my hunting license or my driver's license, and um, so yeah, the next day, like I was kind of so excited because I, I don't know i always wanted to be in taxidermy and i was always very interested in it from a, a young age which is kind of a weird thing to be into i guess but i i always thought it was so cool and so yeah i i went there and just was like hey i want to work here and so the next day i come back we didn't even set a time i showed up at eight o'clock they didn't even open till nine so i sat in the parking lot for like an hour then i see my boss come you know this the owner he comes walking in and so i kind of trailer him into the shop and he, i was like hey i was here yesterday you know i've got my application and i brought my laptop i've you know here's a couple of my little projects that i've done at home you know kind of playing around with trying to be a taxidermist and they were like nothing i had like put a habitat on a shoulder mount deer that's like nothing you know and so um he's like what time did you get here eight he goes huh okay cool. Well, have you ever been to my shop before? You know, we walk around, he shows me everything and we come back up to the front and he picks up my application, takes like a half a second look at it, sets it back down. I'm like, wow, that was weird. What, the heck? what was he reading? My name? You know, it was like that fast. Like he just read my name, set the paper back down. Well, he ends up later. I asked him, I said, Hey Russell, what did you, what did you look at my application when you hired me? Oh, I just saw that it said you were a farmer. Farmers can do anything. Well, I knew I could hire you. I'm like, huh, well, that's cool, I guess. You know, so I'm glad that he remembered. It wasn't too long after. And, uh, yeah, he shoots me an offer, which is like, 
bare minimum, almost minimum wage. And I'm like, yeah. yep, I'll be here tomorrow. He's like, cool. So I started there. I mean, like at the bottom, sweep the floor, pick up screws, hold this while I nail this, that kind of stuff. That's yeah. what I was doing when I started there. Um, I built some shipping crates too. Like that was, I don't I didn't really have a job. I was like a floater. That was my job. Just do what you're told. Yeah. And I was so excited because I'm like, man, this is awesome. I get to be in here and see all this cool stuff and learn everything, you know, learn a skill that I didn't know that I really wanted to know. You know, you're kind of getting like paid training for a, a, a trade. You know, it's like being able to walk around with an electrician or a plumber, you know, a taxidermy is a trade, which seems to be something that kids don't want to do anymore is yeah. trades. Yeah. And so, you know, um, so I went from that to having some different things happen in the shop there to now I'm actually the general manager and the lead taxidermist. And so quite the change, really. You know, I'm at How long basically have you been it's there? I've been there for well, at the, I had been there for like 18 months when I got that title. And so, which was, I'm pretty, I try to be very humble. It's pretty impressive, really. Like, so I'm running the show. I've been there for 18 months. Um, fully, like, fully immersed. Obviously, there's a little bit of training that goes on behind the scenes to get me to that point. But he had a couple guys that just kind of walked out on him, and a, me and another kid kind of stepped in and said, Hey, we want to do this. So, you know, I was there a lot of Saturdays for free, giving my time, trying to learn this skill um, from a guy that's done it for, for longer than you and I've been alive at it together. Yeah. Um, so, again, have old friends. Oh, um, that's so cool. <laughs> yeah. So, that, yeah, it was kind of like, wow, you what a weird thing. You don't hear about stuff like that anymore. Like, that's so no, crazy. It doesn't happen. And that's no. where I will, I was thinking a little bit about this today on the things I wanted to touch on. And, um, you know, I think, again, you got to know where you come from to know who I, you know, how to know yeah. your relatability to me. But, uh, yeah, it's something that I will always um, appreciate from that man was that he gave me the, a chance. And you just don't hear that anymore. No, you do you know, not. my, you get, you, we're in a time now where we have all these online jobs. Well, if you don't have the right keywords and you're sending in a resume online, you don't even get picked because it didn't say that you were a bachelor of science. Da -da 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 -da, Do you know right? that actually my day job is I'm a recruiter? So that is what my girlfriend got a job doing up here, which is why I say that. She was a recruiter yeah. Um, yeah. first. Now she works for a credit union. Um, but yeah, so. I can let's relate, get, that's, but that's. No, that's like. That is, especially right now, I just like, I'm just. I, I relate to that so much and that is a heart that's something I, I've like I take a lot of pride in as a recruiter is I really because I come from such a blue collar trade background the way I grew up I really do feel like what makes me good at my job is I care about people a lot and yeah. and I slow down to think about those things um, but you're kind of you get a lot of resistance with that right so just what you're saying is like I live that every day you know you just don't hear stories like that and that's just really cool to hear well, and so you also, though, and uh, again, humbly, you don't see a lot of people that want to work anymore either, mm -hmm. though. That's what's sad. And I think that the people that are listening to this can all agree with that because we all have that guy at work who, you know, shows up at 10 instead of 9 and leaves at 4 instead of 5 and all these things, right? They don't, people don't 
want to work anymore. And so I think that also, though, was what helped me um, was the fact that, man, who is this crazy kid who <laughs> shows up, works for free to learn? Nobody does that. Nobody wants to do that. They want to be at home and on, you know, whatever, watching Netflix, right? Well, that's just, I, you have this opportunity, seize it. And that's what I did. And so, but it's paying dividends now. But where that, you know, money came in before I was mentioning that is who goes from making a ton of money to just wanting to totally fall off, move to Alaska and go make 10 bucks an hour, 12 bucks an hour. Nobody, nobody wants to do that. Right. But, um, I did. (laughs) And so again, I wanted, I touched on that because I want it to be like, if one person listening to this goes, you know what, I'm going to do that. And I'm not saying move to Alaska. You want to move to, you aspire to move to Maine and hunt sea ducks and eat blue (laughs) crab every day, go do that. If you want to live in Rapid City, South Dakota, and you're, you want to hunt prairie dogs or it doesn't have to be related to hunting, right? You want to, whatever, it doesn't matter, right? You want to be a professional, whatever, (laughs) go do it because we only get to do this once. And so I yeah once money just wasn't really as big of a thing to me not that i don't love making it not that i don't love driving newer pickups or whatever right having a new christensen rifle um yeah you just sacrifice where you can and so that's what we do and we have been very fortunate that it has worked out for us um as a team my girlfriend and i were a team and so yeah it's been pretty cool and i found somebody that had the same likes as i did that's lucky today too so yeah um, absolutely gosh that is so that is so like refreshing to hear because i don't think i think you have to be only a couple are are we like the same age you have to be only a couple years older than me yeah so i'm 31 yep exactly i moved here when i was 27 (laughs) yep so or i was 20 i don't remember 26 or 27 when I moved here and she was younger than that because she's uh she's 28 27 we're right in there doesn't matter yeah so young younger yeah, people yeah plenty um, no so kids much life so much you know. life left yeah yep and, and which it can be a rarity today too I guess but yeah we're I don't want to call it lucky people that have kids find a lot of fulfillment in that mm-hmm. I'm lucky I don't have any kids so until very recently, I didn't have a dog. So you can, when you don't have kids and you don't have a dog, you can do whatever you want. And that's a pretty cool feeling. Now we have a little puppy um, and she brings nothing but joy to both Shelby and myself. Oh, yeah. I'm training her to be a shed hunter. And uh, yeah, so that's kind of a new journey for us. But uh, she's a little large monster lander. If you've never heard of them, no, go get one because they're the most awesome freaking dog oh, ever. Oh, no. Like, if I had a stupid dog, I would say I have the dumbest dog because I'm very honest. I have the smartest little puppy I've ever seen ever. So what's um, the difference she between a large gets it. and a small? Because I've been, like, obsessed with small monster landers for a long time. So what's the yeah. difference? Is, is it literally Obviously, there's size? physical size differences. Right. Um, yeah. I don't really know about temperament. I did have a guy recently tell me that those smalls are a lot more like bouncy off the walls and kind of like barky kind of a dog. Mm -hmm. Um, And the larges are, she is very chill. Now she's like 13, 14 weeks old. So we get the zoomies and we get the tail shakes of where she can, you know, she's wagging and moving and wiggling and all that stuff. But we've also been very 
uh, I don't know how to say it, involved in training her to be very sure. calm. Yeah. And so I don't want a dog that jumps on people and licks and does all the things that people hate dogs for. Um, so she's, you know, pretty calm. That's but, awesome. Uh, yep. Large Monster Lander, awesome dog. Although they're not like, I guess they're not um, what AKC registrable, but who cares? They're yeah. <laughs> National Hunting Dog Association, blah, blah, blah. I guess it's due to their color. Sure. And so they're not AKC registrable. That's, but, uh, yeah. That's, yeah, this will be this cool. whole podcast, just totally derailing, yeah, coming back. No, it's okay. To- yeah, coming so, back. So, yep, like, that's okay. how I live my life. So, um, I, so a lot. You you don't know me that well. I, we don't really know each other that well at all. This is like very fresh. Like I'm not really like I, and which I love because I'm giving you like my genuine reaction. I, you're not telling me anything. Like I don't know a lot about you ahead of time yeah. besides like the nope. Snapchats I see of you. You know, and yeah. Um. So I love this so much. So. So a lot of my biggest blessing and my biggest curse as a person probably is pretty much anything um, that trips my trigger a little bit or like, especially if it's related to the outdoors, I get like hyper, like um, fascinated by, right? And I get obsessed with it. And um, taxidermy, we had an awesome podcast interview about, uh, it's probably been it's been about a year ago with the taxidermist and we actually did it live like from a shop and like I um you know grew up around hunting my entire life so it's always just been interesting to me um and it's just but it is an art and it takes a lot of time so when you're talking about the timeline of you basically going from doing a backdrop on a deer like shoulder mount to some of the work I've seen you do what did like how did you obviously you have the drive and desire and like the energy to do it. Cause you can just tell from talking to you, but like, how did, what did that look like learning that skill and you're, and you do very good work from what I can see. So what did that, what did that look like? That's pretty funny that you say, so as you were asking the question there, I started to smile a little bit because I, you're saying, what did that look like? Honestly, horrendous. That's what it looked like. <laughs> you know, imagine we can all, you Google taxidermy. You probably yeah. type that in. You're going to see some of the worst stuff you've ever seen in your life. Yeah, absolutely. Um, here's where I was lucky. I work in the biggest shop in Anchorage, top 10%. And so you, I have the exposure that you just don't get anywhere else unless you're in a big shop. Now, sure. and, it, and I have was lucky enough to, and it doesn't matter how many, all these great minds around me. And so, yeah, you are an artist, but I can't walk up to you, right? You're a clay potter or you're a whatever painter. And I come up and I go, man, that flower's ugly. I don't look right. Yeah. Well, you're going to be like, well, that's my, my interpretation of what that flower looked like. Well, in taxidermy or in my, in our shop, my shop, the shop, it is not that way. So if I come up to uh, the good friend of mine who works there too, and I go, hey, man, that eye is off. Because I'm looking at it from 15, 20 feet away. And he's looking at it from 12 inches away because he's up in there. He's mm-hmm. working on it. Yeah. And then he backs up and goes, whoa, yeah, you're right. That is ugly. <laughs> or he does the same to me. You know, it's not yeah. me. I'm not. We're all that way. Yep. So even today, the boss came in held up this set of caribou antlers that we did a fit. We fixed a tine on and he held, holds them up and he goes, what do you guys think of this? And instantly 
the other kid goes, nope, that's ugly. Bro. You know, the color's off. You got to take that yellow off her. Looks at it. Oh, God, you're right. Phew, gone. So that's where I'm, I'm fortunate to work in that environment. And that's kind of leading back into your question is you have all these people around you and nobody gets hurt. No hurt feelings, right? Like, oh, well, they said my flower was ugly. No, it's like, (laughs) oh, man, we're trying to better all of of us. And so now in all trades, there's a lot of arrogance that can come from that. And, and, yeah, hurt feelings. I'm sure there are people who go to taxidermy competitions and argue the judge and go, no, no, you're wrong. Well, stop being that way in in all of your life. (laughs) If somebody's telling you, like, hey, you know, this could have been a little better or this, you know, and take their criticism and absorb it and learn from it. You'd be a lot better off. And yeah. so that's where I've been very lucky is I had a guy who it's always funny. Hey Russ, how many mounts have you done in your life? Train loads. I've done train loads of mounts. Yeah, that's true. So you got a guy that's done train loads of taxidermy and you're getting into it. What a, no better guy to learn from, um, you know, and, and I, I was on a paid internship, basically, and yeah. it's still a learning experience for me every single day. And so when you're when you have an open mind and you have passion about something, and it doesn't matter if you're passionate about fly tying and mm-hmm. you have a guy that can train you or do something with you and you can learn all that from him, you know, that's just passion is where I was able to become as um We'll call it as good as I was. There should be a better term for that. Um, <laughs> but as good as I have been able to become, um, you know, that's where it came from. And so, you know, the first, I, and I was, I'm so lucky because I get to work on things you've never heard of, like a Damara Dick Dick. You ever heard of that? No. You ever heard of a Markor from Tajikistan? No. I know what it smells like. That's pretty cool. You know, I yeah. get to see and touch all these things from all over the world. Um, and, and that's where I find myself extremely lucky. So that's where it like, so oh, there are so many thoughts that like went through my head as you were saying this. So yeah, when the, like a, an epiphany I had when I did a podcast with a tax nervous in the past, especially like, I was like, Oh my God. Like I just like every word he was saying, I was just like hanging on every word. So you know, uh, growing up in a house that like our decor was just, you know, deer heads and stuff like, um, what has the thing we, I had talked about in the past is how taxidermy actually can make you a better hunter or vice versa, you know, um, better, make you a better taxidermist. And that's like what I think is interesting. And like, I'm thinking about because you went from Iowa to Alaska. So, I'm assuming a lot of the animals that you're working with, and you didn't do taxidermy in Iowa, so you're just coming in like yeah, no. fresh, right? Totally so, green. Yep, so because 100%. thinking about like what makes you a great taxidermist sometimes too is understanding that animal and their behavior and how they move and how they look, right? You, you've you seen one before, so then you can replicate that in real life. And I know that you're not always going to see as a taxidermist, you're not going to see every single animal you ever work on in the shop out in the real world. but that was uh, the conversation I had with a previous taxidermist that was just very fascinating to me because he's like, my work gets better the more I hunt because I think about the way they move and the, you know, the way that they do things and it helps me yeah. be creative. And I loved that so much. And 
he's like, you know, my goal is to help everyone. Like when they look on the wall, you know, it's, it's hard. Like life goes by really fast and, and we forget a lot of things. We don't slow down very much. And when you look at your work, like your taxidermy work, that story, like it doesn't matter how much time goes by. You remember that hunt when you look at that 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 animal that got done right and yeah. that, that is like yeah, i mean you're preserving a yes, memory yes exactly um, and yeah i mean i and now as as you say that i mean i have you know you you touched a couple heartstrings for me as well and obviously this is from a previous podcast too but like what he is saying is absolutely true um and and we live in such a great it's such a gloomy time out there but we yeah. live in such a great time we have yeah. the internet yeah i don't know what uh what color a leopard's nose is they know who does google yeah 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 it's great but doesn't you know it we can look like, up anything just like and hearing so back- you sorry i'm sorry i'm sorry i didn't mean to cut you off like uh uh but hearing you and like the passion you have behind this like i'm just wondering if this is true if it triggers you in this way i'm just very curious like i think what would be wrong with me <laughs> in your shoes is like okay so maybe you've never seen that leopard in the wild right you don't know what color its nose is like your exact like the example you're giving does it make you like hyper curious about that like when you said you you know what something smells like and you've never even like been around it before does it like does it just make your brain go haywire <laughs> I don't know. It does. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's almost annoyingly. Yeah. And so, and I say that, that you don't know what a mark horse smells like. They stink. Yeah. They really stink. <laughs> Even when they go through all the tanning chemicals and they show up to me, because I'm, I'm a very, I'm a lucky taxidermist too. The guy that you previously spoke with, he probably did do a lot of like the skinning and the fleshing. And there's a, there's obviously a very gross side to taxidermy yes. or, you know, gross in quotations <laughs> with the fingers, gross side. Um, I'm very lucky when I get them, I have a hundred or pretty much prepped hides ready to go. And then I just mount them. So I don't go home with the, the other parts of the animals on me. Right. I'm, I'm lucky in that standpoint. So I'm strictly just an artist, um, which is a pretty awesome place to be. I don't have to do a lot of that other work that goes into it. I just have tanned hides. And so, um, but yeah, back to, what, you know what we were saying there yes so we in taxidermy we call it reference because if you don't know what it looks like you can't replicate it so you use reference in order to figure out well what color is the inside of a deer's ear or you know at the very front corner of the eye what does that really look like um and i pick on those two things because they're two things that are tend to be um not necessarily replicated correctly and so um now there is a lot of grades of taxidermy so you have uh and and in the grade of taxidermy also is the price of taxidermy obviously you know we all know where the maybe there's different levels we'll go back to selling parts right you're gonna sell the truck you put the cheapest brake pads on it you're gonna keep the truck you get the nicest brake pads you can get for it and there's levels in between there well you can have that too. You can have uh, most, and myself included, we do commercial grade taxidermy. And so, yeah, we're not getting crazy, you know, details veining in the noses or things like that because the consumer doesn't necessarily know and or want to pay for that. Sure. And so, yep. um, you know, we're... Yep. Like, to, 
to go in that time frame to learn any craft like that in that short amount of time, you clearly had like the drive and passion to do that and a good teacher. Um, and it's just, that is, that is just such a beautiful, cool thing to me. Like that people who don't understand taxidermy, um, and you know, I kind of sort of do like growing up around it and asking a lot of questions. Cause I'm just like a very obnoxiously curious person, but well, you can look a bobcat in the eyes and yeah. go, wow, that's a real ugly bobcat. <laughs> or you could, or you could, yeah, I mean, you definitely get it. You, you, you all, everybody has seen some yes. really bad taxidermy yep. and, and it's, uh, yeah, and I, I being in it, um, and I stole your thunder there, but yeah, being in it, you, you, you know, there are guys that I get giddy about watching and, and seeing their Instagram stories and going, wow, man, that is just awesome. Man, I love that piece. Man, that's so cool. You know, I want to do one like that. And we kind of all probably steal a little bit from each other as far as like, you know, there's only so many things you can make a bear do, um, yeah. a, a life-size bear. And I guess I should say that too. I do a lot of life-size pieces, full-body animal mounts. Um, I do some shoulder mounts, too, which are like your standard deer head or, or thing like that. Now, up here, standard could be a caribou. It could be a moose. Um, but I, I focus a lot on the life-size pieces. So where you were saying earlier about um, the other gentleman talking about he loves to weigh, loves to gather reference from hunting, and watching the way animals move and whatnot. Um, sound like to me, he's a pretty cool guy because I was fortunate enough to have always loved animals. I was very young, whatever, doesn't matter, four or five, ten, watching Discovery Channel. I used to love like those Mutual of Omaha and all those things back in the day. I've always loved taxidermy. Um, a very funny, my first taxidermy experience was flipping through, who knows what it was, Buckmaster's Field and Stream, <laughs> doesn't matter, flipping through a magazine, and there are all these books like in the back where it's like, oh, buy a book, learn how to fly tie, buy a book, which nobody uses books anymore, buy a book, da-da-da. And so, because uh, they're all, and it was cool because there was one in there about learn taxidermy. For $14.95, you could learn taxidermy. Okay, cool. I was so stupid, I sent cash in the mail. Who does that? Nobody. This me, you know, sent money in the mail as a kid on my own. My parents didn't even know. And plus five dollars shipping and handling. And they sent me this book. And so, you know, there it was black and white. I'm flipping through it super young, like probably fourteen. Couldn't drive, I know that. So um because otherwise i would have had more money. So that fourteen ninety five was like a real or nineteen ninety five was a real investment for me at yeah. a younger age. Right. And so, um, that was how I started. I was always into it. I always loved animals. So taxidermy came very natural to me because I can look at a pose of an animal on a, in a life-size mount and go, because a lot of times I'll, I get, I get custom poses. So when the, there's a book, it's 900 and some pages thick of, of a major taxidermy catalog that I can order a form the the taxidermy is not a there's no skeleton there's no nothing under there it's a it's a mannequin that we wrap the skin around and uh, it's no different than the under armor store has all those models right well i have that same thing i just sew the skin back onto it where they slip a t-shirt over its head and so i can pick a bear that's standing up on 
its hind legs or you know climbing a hill coming down a hill laying on its back i can pick all these things the problem is i'm six five and let's say that jacob was six five and jacob's buddy is six five well none of us are the same right. we all have different lengths of legs arms our necks our heads are bigger smaller you know and, and animals are very much the same mm -hmm. and so there's a lot of alteration that goes into making that fit now when I do a deer head, let's say it's a white-tailed deer, the first 75 pages are dedicated to those. So I have a lot of choices. I can find one that just fits. Well, when I go to buying a honey badger from Africa form, there's one on the market. <laughs> so when I get a big old fat Mr. Honey Badger, well, and it doesn't fit because the one it was made for or you know modeled off of was a smaller female or whatnot there's a lot of alteration that comes in there yeah. so um you know i have to cut the legs off and do all these weird things with the foam and then reattach them so by knowing how the animal moves you're able to replicate that you don't have elbows sticking out or legs that are all weird looking and um so yeah it, there is a passion to loving animals now i'm a hunter but there's a lot of hunters that love animals. Yes. We just also, you know, I live almost strictly off of game meat living up here. It, you know, it cuts costs and, and I don't know, beef almost makes me sick to eat anymore because I'm yeah. not used to that fat in my diet. And so, um, and it's cheaper. It helps to save money. So, but, um, there are so many, yeah, uh, that, again, yeah. <laughs> that's a whole nother story. Yeah, that is, but, uh, mean, yeah, that in fact, like you know, podcast, yeah. Yeah, but the taxidermy, yeah, it's a, it is very artistic. Um, those mannequins do not come with a lot of feature or definition. The eyes are not set. The ears are not in the skin when I get it. So all that is crafted by hand. And so, you know, you have somebody that's very passionate about it. Um, you can you can have somebody that you can have something that you hang back on your wall that's that you're gonna appreciate looking at and not going, man, that thing's ugly. And all your buddies come in and go, man, that thing is ugly, <laughs> you know. And so, and you can have that even with your deer heads. I think yeah. taxiderm, taxidermists, um, you know, you send something. If you lived in Riverside, you go to the Riverside taxidermist and you have him do it. Not necessarily because he's good, because he's convenient. Yeah. And so, but there are a, a select group of people who will get their hides either tanned or whatnot, and they'll ship it to somebody and have them mount it for them. We have people even do that here. Um, the most crazy one, I had a guy who lived in Texas, killed an odd ad in Texas, and had such a great experience with our shop, he sent it to Alaska and then paid to ship the mount back. Yeah, that's crazy. Because, that's awesome. you know, that's amazing. there are 500,000 taxidermists in Texas. But he sent it to us because he, you know, he appreciated probably either the service or, well, and I hope both the service and the quality that he got back. Yeah. And so, you know, I did want, that was the one thing I guess I thought about today that I was like, you know, I should touch on that, that it's not, you know, just because then I don't know if there isn't, if he even is a guy in Riverside that does tax room, I'm certainly not picking on him if he's listening to this. If there's a guy in Riverside that does tax room, but you're only using him because he's convenient. You might not be getting the best of your head back yeah, for your that, no, I mean, so. no, like that is like, because for so many reasons, like 
any business, right? Like if they treat me well, I am probably going to go back to them. If they mistreat me, I don't care how awesome they are. If they have the best product on the market, I will not go back to them. If they make me feel less than or treat me badly or, you know, anything like that. So absolutely. Also, um, for those that like hunt, right? I feel this is actually a podcast episode I, I've been thinking about doing solo on my own, just talking about this subject in particular. And I've been really thinking about this a lot is because um, I teach a lot of classes and I mentor a lot of people. And the reason like something that's really important to me as someone who teaches is how do I teach them, put them out into the world, but also ins- like ensure that they're going to keep hunting sacred. Right. And so, because what I mean by that is like, There are folks out there who hunt just to kill things and like it's some sort of power trip. Yes, that is a thing. Like that does exist. But for the most part, hunters, even if they kind of talk like a weird talk or they don't always portray themselves the best, for most hunters, I feel like it is so much deeper than harvesting an animal, right? It is like way deeper than that. There is like a whole story, feeling, life that is attached to that hunt that they decide to get done by you guys or whomever that tax like that taxidermist there's so much more it's like so corny and i'm sure not every single one of them are thinking about this consciously when they give work to you guys but it is so much deeper than you just treated them well right like you didn't just treat them well and create a great product at the end of the day and like showcase their animal but like there's like a whole feeling and story tied to that that you were a part of that like they're entrusting you with, right? Like that's just like a piece of like who they are probably if they're spending the money to get that animal done. Um, a story they wanna talk about and share and like show off, but it is, it is to me, nine times out of 10, it is way deeper than that. And no one really wants to talk about that part of it, but um, I think it is. Like I know for some of the animals that I'm getting done, there is like a whole drawn out story that I could talk about for an hour. <laughs> at least about each animal that I'm getting done, you know? So what you guys do is like, as corny as I'm making it sound, it is like so much bigger than just stuffing an animal, (laughs) you know? It is just, it's so much bigger than that. I think And I see that a lot more in the life-size mounts too, Yeah. because they're true investments. I mean, I've mounted bears that were three times the money of my first pickup. Yeah. You know, and so when I'm, I'm char. I said the shop. When we're charging nine or ten thousand dollars to do these pieces, you know, you you need a. And it's not because I'm making a bunch of money. It's expensive to do these pieces. You know, they have, and even Alaska multiplies that because we're shipping things to and from and whatnot, and supplies are limited. And but yeah, I I meet a lot of people that feel exactly the way you do. And, and they're the toughest of tough guys and they still, they absolutely feel that way. And they tell me, you know, they're, they're telling me their story when I'm in there and, and it slows up the process a little bit, you know, I'm listening, (laughs) but I'm absolutely like (laughs) gathering information from them. Um, I have a crazy memory, which isn't always such a good thing um, of like when I'm hearing a story, if you tell me a hunting story, I won't remember maybe who you were, but I remember that story, <laughs> right? Awesome. I'm like, man, not, you know, like I've, I've done mounts where guy shoots a moose, starts packing it out, 
and then has come back the next day and a, there's a grizzly bear on the kill um has totally buried a whole moose under the tundra basically then they have to shoot the bear and so i've mounted a you know a bear and a moose in the same scene i mean that stuff is that's that's wild that happens out here up here um it looked like yeah you can't even imagine it looked like an excavator came in and dug up the earth and piled it over top of this dead moose carcass in one night it's it, these bears are incredible so like, and, that is like an awesome segue to like a question i have <laughs> mm-hmm. actually um since you are from iowa i've actually i've used like this phrase before is now that i've kind of ventured a little bit outside of my midwest experiences hunting i've never been to alaska or anything as extreme as that but can you just like somehow put into words are your experience of like coming from like an Iowa boy who loves hunting to going into Alaska and like how different that is? Like, can you like paint that picture for us? <laughs> yeah. So I had same exact thing. My first out of state hunting trip was I shot a coyote in South Dakota, <laughs> like 70 miles or 50 miles South of Rapid city. You know, we're over there doing some stuff. Um, I think it was with Cabela's, right? Me and my mentor at the time who I just started. And so, yeah, we took a couple of those fancy Colt AR-15 rifles down and we shot a couple coyotes and stuff. And so, like, that was my first out-of-state hunting experience. And it was like, wow, man, that was pretty cool. Well, then this guy, um, he's, you know, he's a good friend or became a good friend. He's like, hey, you know, every year my father-in-law and I go elk hunting. I've never been successful at it. Do you want to go? uh yeah heck yeah i do it's only like 600 dollar tag let's go so i had hunted elk one time before moving up here as like an out-of-state hunter and so um you know and elk hunting is like pretty brutal because you have the elevation mm-hmm. that you don't necessarily have in alaska you know where i've hunted sheep um here 3500 4500 feet above sea level so you breathe in air. It's not that big a deal. Well, you go like these eight, nine, whatever, 10,000 elevation foot elk hunts. I was like dying, like absolutely dying. You see why these guys like Cameron Haynes are like running up mountains, carrying <laughs> rocks. And I'm like drinking monsters, getting fat. So yeah, I like died. And I'm like, wow, this mountain hunting is just not for me. I don't think I'm going to go back to walking 200 yards behind my house and shooting deer with, with my bow. And so, uh, yeah, that was kind of like my first experience. Now, coming up here and not necessarily having the breathing difficulties, which I, I would I would totally go elk hunting again. It's fun. Don't, don't not go elk hunting because I just said that. But, uh, <laughs> but be prepared. Um, it is. So if you don't currently understand what we just talked about a little bit ago about feeling passion for an animal then go somewhere else and hunt something that's tougher than you and you will feel that and if you don't feel that quit hunting because you don't have a pulse and so because when you when you take so sheep are like the pinnacle of hunting right like whitetails 
I have killed quite a few of them. Uh, you know, I love them. They're like the bread and butter of taxidermy of hunting, right? There are more whitetails harvested in a year than probably all other game species put together. And so, so you have your whitetails in it. Like, yeah, you kind of go up and you might put like elk above that or mule deer and, and mountain lions and da da da. And you're coming up this pyramid and at the top are like the sheep and the goat hunters and the ibex and you know anything that lives where you couldn't survive a day without gear you know um and and so if you and not everybody can afford to hunt sheep and i couldn't either when i moved here i didn't have any intentions of hunting sheep um because they're just so far out of your mindset and a lot of people listening to this if they're from the midwest or whatnot have never thought about sheep hunting because go try to get a tag yeah right you're not going to get one (laughs) unless you pay a guide to go with um or you live in montana though you're if you're 20 now maybe by the time you're dead you'll get a tag maybe you know that's the odds it's it's less than one percent that that's the draw odd so um yeah hunt a sheep if you ever if you if you do that i or i have hunted a sheep you'll feel a passion you'll feel a connection to something you'll you might cry when you when you are successful that's a it's a different place at alpine you know when you're above the tree line it's a different place. And they I've heard it said, I don't there's some fancy cool guy, way cooler me said, you know, that sheep hunting is are a bunch of romantics or a bunch of poets. <laughs> yeah, it's true. It's different. You know, it, it it and you don't feel that you see guys on on YouTube and they get pretty excited and they're all jacked and fist pumping and um yeah, sheep hunting, it happens. I, I did it on my first one, but the second one meant so much more. It was totally a different experience, you know, but uh, we don't know. <laughs> yeah. But it, it, you, it's a, you'll feel that passion. And, yeah. and hopefully you feel it for whitetails. They're beautiful. They're beautiful animals. Really look at one. If anybody, it's after season now, but man, kill, if you shoot a, if you shoot a whitetail in October, really look at it. They're beautiful. They have orange foreheads and, you know, uh, it, their, their hairs will be longer on their burrs or their antlers because they haven't rubbed yet. You know, obviously a whitetail can do a thousand rubs a year on trees. Well, look at one that you kill in shotgun season in December. All those hairs are broken off. All of his whiskers are broken off around his eyes, around his nose, you know very pretty animals but yeah so. there's like passion a that's yeah yeah yep yeah. yeah. that's amazing so. i just like alaska is like for me growing up in iowa i was just actually talking to my younger brother about this today um my you know growing up like every sunday this is what we did as a family our uncles would come over cousins we'd order a pizza and we'd watch hunting shows or a movie and it but typically we watch hunting shows and we would just like binge them and eat pizza every single Sunday in my childhood. And it was always like this conversation about, we're gonna go to Alaska, we're gonna go to Alaska. And it's like, it's been so, rem- like, it's just been 
like when you say poet, like they're the poets, like there's something about Alaska for people, even if they've been there or haven't been there, they just want to go. Like there's like this pull to go and experience it and see it for yourself. And that is like, uh, it's just like what's so fascinating to me is like, it's, it's just very hardcore. Like I, I feel like, um, a lot of folks I know in Iowa that I hunt with or do stuff with, they're hardcore, right? For the state of Iowa, they are hardcore. But Alaska, yep. that is another level. Like, that has to be just, is the, I don't know. You'd have to tell me. I don't know. I've never been. But is it? Is it just, is the, um, do you run into a lot of other hunters? I mean, you're in taxidermy, so that obviously is different for you. It's direct. But, um, like, do you, what is that like? Like, relationships between hunters out there. Um, what, what does that look like? Uh, very similar, I would say, in that aspect to Iowa. Mm-hmm. Uh, if nobody now, you may know where somebody hunts your buddies. You know where they go, or you know they hunt their land, or they hunt Jimbo's land down the road, and you wouldn't necessarily go and ask them. You wouldn't ask if, if your buddy is hunting a farm. You're not going to go ask the landowner also to hunt that farm. Mm-hmm. And so, the difference here, though is this is all our land it's all public there is almost no private land in alaska now there is um and this is how do i say not offensive to say to them there is a lot of native land up here i know native sounds terrible it's what they're they're alaska natives they have native corporations so don't take that the wrong way there's a lot of native land um which is set aside by the government or whoever somebody wrote it up that it's all all theirs and so you do have a little bit of that you'll be in the middle of nowhere we'll call it and there will be some native land that you cannot be on hunting mm-hmm. um, but for the most part it is a lot of it is public land so it's no different than i don't know a lot of people that public land whitetail hunt in iowa mm-hmm. because it would get crazy especially wouldn't want to do it in the shotgun season i wouldn't It'd be crazy, right? You would never, I wouldn't want that pressure. Um, but you do see that up here. Um, and I've never really experienced it quite like I did on a caribou hunt with my girlfriend and a friend of ours. Um, I have never seen so many four wheelers and rangers and Argos in <laughs> all of my life. It was crazy. I felt like I should have orange on because they don't have shotguns. They have rifles. Um, you know, and so that was a little wild to me. I've never experienced anything like that. The only other thing I've ever seen up here that was just crazy that I was like, this is not for me, was like fishing, fishing for king salmon, fishing for um, sockeyes and whatnot in these river systems because, and good on them, please all get out and experience the, you know, the outdoor world. But there are people that are like elbow to elbow fishing. Now you really? wouldn't think that I'm going to no, go to I this pristine Alaskan yeah. river, yes. right? And stand along 200 of my newest best friends. <laughs> That's fishing in Alaska. Um, and, so, <laughs> and good on them. Like I said, uh, uh, there's a lot of fly out fishing and whatnot, but, but so you wouldn't think you'd ever see another hunter, but it happens a lot. And, and it happens to people like me who are the same as everybody else. Yeah. And that maybe that's a good way to put that. Yeah. I'm no different than anybody else. I drove there 
to the trailhead in my pickup and I put my pack on and we either unloaded or did not unload a four-wheeler and we went in. Yep. Same as the other 25 pickups sitting there that are all trying to do the same thing we are because we don't have airplanes. Like the the elite, right? The guided hunters that are paying twenty-five to $30,000 to shoot brown bears, to come up and hunt sheep, to do all those things. I don't have that kind of money. I have those kind of clientele and that's fantastic. Um, but I'm not that guy. Yeah. And so... You know, and it there is a a coolness, I guess, between hunters. Like I have ran into other hunters, and were um, I was always, and it seemed like other people were too. I'm sure it is reciprocating. If you're uh, not a very nice guy, well, they're not going to tell you anything either. Right. And so, um, you know, I've kind of shared experiences with people, or tried to tell them like because we're all walking a lot of the places that we've hunted is walk-in i don't want to pick on um, alaskans or but there's a lot of four-wheeler trails well guess where you're going to find a lot of people on the four-wheeler trails so when you get these areas that are either no atv or cut off areas or whatnot um, maybe the native land allows um, uh, easement access but you can't take a wheeler that kind of thing you're in there with the guys that have the same mindset that you do and so there's a lot less of us there. There's not 500 trucks in the parking lot. There was only 20 or 10 or whatnot. So, um, but yeah, I mean, we've absolutely talked to guys at certain areas, even sheep hunting that were like, yeah, don't go up that drainage. Yeah, there's nothing. Oh, cool. Thank you. You just saved us like 10 miles of walking in two days. You know, thanks. That's cool. Um, they could have been lying, but I'm going to believe them because they don't, they're on their way out. They got no reason to lie to me, I don't think. And yeah. so, um, I, I would think that, I mean, it, you know, in general, people are decent, right? Like you have people who aren't, but in general, I think people are decent. Yeah. And Luke uh, Bryan wrote a song about that. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I feel that um, I've had like small bits experience of this in like Montana, but like people know out there you need to survive, right? Like there's a lot of yep. things out there that can kill you outside of just even animals, like the weather and elements and stuff. So, I mean, I, I guess on that, I feel like humans do in general try to take care of each other. Um, so that's awesome to hear. But like, do you, I guess before or now, were you intimidated by the landscape and the animals coming from like the Midwest? Like, was that oh, scary yeah. for you? It, it, it is now yeah. because of exactly what you just said. You can die. Yeah. I'm not afraid to die. I don't want to die. I don't want to have somebody have to call my mom <laughs> and tell her she has one son now instead oh, of two. Yeah. Definitely not. You know, that kind of thing. But it can happen up here. Right. Um, and it can happen so fast. Uh, you know, I, I have a friend of mine here. He's, he's like my best friend that, that lives here. We work together for a short amount of time. He's doing some different things now. Um, but yeah, I mean, he was hunting with a, a, a couple of females who are way tougher than me. So disclaimer, they're tougher girls than I am. Um, and yeah, he watched her like take a weird step and she almost fell off of a cliff and he goes, she saved, you know, caught herself really quick, but he said their eyes locked afterwards. And she was just like, you know, whoa, that looked like it almost happened right there you yeah. were you were dead there wasn't any like oh man yeah a couple of bruises no it's like dead and so and that happened like 
you know, uh, walk along and I'm like, oh, I'm thinking about pizza. Man, pizza would be really good right now. Why, you know, you're not paying attention. Yeah. And so, yeah, I mean, sure, that can happen at any time. You could, in Iowa, you could flip your four-wheeler, you could fall out of a tree stand, you could whatever, right? Yeah, yeah so, complacency. That's what I say all the time. Complacency is what kills people out here anyway. Is like, yeah. is just you get you get comfortable, right? You You start to like not be as vigilant as you need to be. Yeah. And up here, you just have to have your head about you and you have to pick your hunting partner with a higher, I don't know what you call that, more, you have to care more about who your hunting partner is probably than who your girlfriend is. Because what's the odds, well, me, I do hunt with my girlfriend, but the odds that your girlfriend's going to save your life versus you got to trust your hunting partner to know and that's why he and I kind of became very good friends. We just shared a couple stories and he goes, man, wow. You know, and, it's, and he's told me this in a, in a scary situation. I'd be glad to have you on my team because you have your head about you. And so, um, and, it, and you don't, you come up here and, and I'm not a tough guy. So I'm going to keep saying that I'm six, five, I have very skinny arms. I drink monster <laughs> and I don't work out. So, I'm just stupid enough to keep going a little further every time. And so that's been my success. It's not from being super cool. Definitely not super cool. Um, but yeah, it's just that knowing that, yeah, you can trust that guy, I guess. So, but, um, How but yeah. So do you have, no, like that's, we're going to have to do a, a part two for sure. Um, yeah, I haven't like, shared any hunting stories yet. It's all the build up. Yeah, like I, yeah, let's, can we please do a part two? <laughs> yeah. Because I, I want to hear those. Um, do you have any, how do I want to ask this? Do you have any like parting words of wisdom just in general for anyone who's listening, who's either thinking about doing something crazy and starting their career <laughs> over or uh, moving out to Alaska or going on a crazy hunt or anything like that? Do you have any, you know, parting words of wisdom? So there were, I do, there was a, I have a couple people in my life who I admire that I look up to that are like the coolest dudes, right? Those are the coolest dudes to me. Um, and they're both from Iowa. Now, I think there's a positive. Now, I'm very pro-Iowa. My girlfriend, eh, she's like, oh, there's other better states. And I'm like, oh, I mean, yeah, and they're all below Iowa. Um, <laughs> and so, but uh, both these guys are, are from Iowa. And I've heard it said from an Alaskan that uh, he was a guide. And he goes, you know, you Iowans just a bunch of crazy people i guess because he goes the toughest dudes i've ever met are from iowa because i i don't i don't know where that comes from you know and i'm like oh that's kind of cool because it wasn't talking about me obviously but uh maybe it's a work ethic it, thing you know I it's hope, a it's like an ethics we have the ethics that's something that i dislike about um shifting gears again i'll come back they'll circle back but when uh when i go into casey's this is all pre-COVID, you know, whatever. Um, when I walk into Casey's, the guy in front of me holds the door for me, and I hold the door for the guy behind me. And when there is a lady and we're all at Pizza Hut and she doesn't have a seat and we're all sitting waiting, I will stand up and give her my seat. Not because I'm like a, like, I don't know, uh, Fabio, right? It's because mm-hmm. you're, you're doing that because you're a courteous guy. Um and there is that 
and you said ethics and that's what led into this. There is that. I think a lot of it, and it happens in a lot of states. I do. Th I would throw a lot of Midwestern states in there, probably even mm -hmm. Western states, sure. yeah. um, where that's still a thing, and that's a pretty awesome thing to me. Yeah. Now you come up, you go to a different place. I'm not even gonna pick on Alaska. You go somewhere else, and uh, and you're in Reno, Nevada, and they don't have a Casey's, but they have a Tesoro or a whatever. And you walk into the gas station, the guy in front of you does not care about you, and so. Um, that's a pretty fortunate thing. And it's a different mindset. Yeah. And so, but yeah, and maybe that's what this guy was kind of leading into as well. And look at my boss. He's from Mississippi, transplant to Alaska. Um, very fortunate guy. Had a, my, The shop that I worked for had a TV show. And so it was on the History Channel. Ran 11 or 13 episodes on History Channel. He was on Blue Collar Millionaire. Um, Mississippi guy. And very down home. What's he look at on on my application? Well, you're a farmer, so you can do anything. Yeah, well, that's pretty cool. That's that a pretty cool pretty place cool. to be from, you know. Like, um, but also takes a little bit of a different mindset to even see that. I guess on my own part, it's like, yeah, you know, that's pretty cool. So hopefully someday I get to give a some young kid, some little idiot like myself, a chance, you know. And so I think too, it also like helps me live or whatnot you don't always see i want to give somebody a chance I, i've hired a lot of guys there that i did not think would make it most of them didn't but a few of them did and i'm pretty happy to have them so but uh yeah parting words of wisdom these two two guys um one is one that you actually want to have on a podcast um ryan beeson yeah uh, soul in iowa yeah, ryan, is yes. a super super good friend of mine freaking love that guy love his whole family um and the other one is dave lent or they always call him burger and he is from cedar rapids iowa and those are the two guys that like are older than me by years 10 years older than me or more maybe and so there i am pretty young listening to their stories one was an alaskan guide um, that'd be Ryan Beeson. The other guy has hunted everywhere you could ever go twice. Coolest dude. And so, yeah, I mean, they're just, they are, they're just the coolest dudes ever. And so I am listening to their stories and just as a young man going, wow, man, this is really what I want to do. I didn't have a girlfriend for like eight years of my life. And so I, that's really doing what you want to do when you don't have that. And so, um, now took a lot of training on my girlfriend's part to bring me back to domesticated from that point but um yeah i was like i really want to move to alaska and i want to go do all these things but i just never did because i was afraid i guess and so that's where i'm very lucky is my girlfriend was the one that pushed me to do what i wanted to do and uh and, and we did it but yeah the those two guys listening to those stories and having those having older friends um and you're just like wow man that's so cool i so want to do that someday and the thing the the parting words that you would ask me yeah. was dave told me one time we were bow fishing and i was like man and i've had i've had this conversation with another guy too that lives in alaska who works for kuyu and i said you're nobody you're the same as me. How do you, how do you do all this stuff? How do you afford to go 
to Africa, go to hunt California blacktail, to go all this random stuff, you know, going to Tajikistan. And he's like, well, if you save, and he, there was more to it, but, but he goes, if you save money and you're like, I'm going to save money and I'm going to go do this, he goes, you'll never do it because you'll never have enough money. He goes, if you're actually passionate about it, you really want to do it, you'll find a way to pay for it. So he goes, book the hunt and figure out how to pay for yeah. it. <laughs> and I'm like, man, okay. Well, how do you do that? And there are, there are a couple tricks there, you know, where he's using no interest credit cards and these other things, right? But yeah. it, And is that necessarily the way to live your life? Maybe not. But at the time, Ryan Beeson and Dave, also not married, no kids. So here we are, all these like kind of the same guys, all different ages. But, um, but, but then again, the guy, the guy from Alaska here, he was married and has a, has a kid. And so doing the same thing um, just has obviously the coolest wife ever. So shout out to her um, for letting him do that stuff and being crazy. But yeah, figuring out how to pay for it. Now, so I, I, that's what I do here is I have worked a deal with my boss. Like, Hey man, can I come in and work after work and make a little extra money? And, and taxidermists are always behind. So what a great industry to do it in to work extra, um, you know, and have and drive and have and passion. Blah, blah, blah. We've hit all those points, check those boxes, but yeah, stay late, work another job. Like I almost went and got a job at Cabela's too, just to like, make some extra money because i wanted to do some things right so when you're making 12 bucks an hour but every year you want to fly home to be home you know home to iowa and go shed hunting well 12 bucks an hour doesn't really pay for that and an apartment and food and all the adult things you unfortunately have to deal with so yeah i worked cut a deal and started working more and yeah that doesn't necessarily it's not cool (laughs) But you get asked pretty cool stories at the end. Yeah, but so, man, like life is short, like you said, and like everyone has a different opinion of what they want that to look like. And then, and then that's valid, right? You should live your life how like you really want to live it and you are like going for it. Like that, you are doing things yep. that people are, that talk, they talk about doing, but they are so scared to do and not, that's yeah. amazing. And they see it. They see it everywhere because the internet. We're back to the internet, Instagram, yeah. right? So, well, Cameron Haynes, or hey, I'm pick on him because he's like a super big dude yeah. in the mountain hunting, right? But, uh, yeah, man, Cameron Haynes is over in Hawaii killing axis deer. Man, I'd love to go shoot an axis deer. We'll go. We'll go. You know, just go. Like, don't don't necessarily wait for it. And and I met, I've since I've been here, I've met two other young guys like myself. They're both from Washington State. They actually know each other. Now they're like my two best friends up here. Um, same thing. They came 12 months basically after I did. I met them through the shop, which in the hunting industry, what a great place to work really is a taxidermy shop. Also, though, no, nobody's telling you where they're hunting. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it's like, why, why would they? Also, that's not really advantageous to me. If he's not shooting anything, he's not bringing it to me. I don't have any work. So... You know, you got to, I think about that too, but yeah, I mean, they also did it. They moved from Washington, came to Alaska, hunt, have 
harvested sheep and goat and blackberries and caribou and passed on moose because I would never shoot a moose. It seems it sounds like the dumbest thing ever to do because they're so huge. <laughs> but uh, no way will I ever hunt a moose. So, but um, yeah, that's my parting words is if you see it on Instagram, it looks really cool. You want to shoot an odd ad. You want to shoot a whatever. doesn't matter. Go do it because you never know what could happen in the future. You might not get to do it, and you'd hate to look back at that, right, and go, man, I wish I would have done that. Yep. And um, and that goes for anything. That doesn't even count for hunting. So Yeah, for everything. I want to I go it's another story i'm not parting my words here but you know we my girlfriend and i took a 30-day trip around the united states and hit 25 states in 30 days right before we moved to alaska yeah. because we wanted to yeah like what a cool thing to go do right so <laughs> yes. we lived in a truck you know i keep we sound like hippies we're not i take showers regularly um but so yeah we did that you know we um and so that's what I guess I'm saying. It, I, I said hunt Audad or, or go shoot an Axis deer. I say those because they're fairly inexpensive hunts to get into. But what if your thing is, man, I'd really love to go to Maine and take it all the way down and come through South Carolina, hit the Smoky Mountains and make a circle out of it, you know, make a big loop. Go do it. Yeah, because I say that because it's going to cost a lot of money. Yeah. But, you know, you need to need to do that if you never my dad mentioned this to me the other day you know he he's 50 something years old he's like you know what i've never done in my life and i'm thinking geez you're 50 years old what the heck couldn't you have done in your life right lots could have been a, a hundred things though but he's like i've never taken two weeks off in a row i'm on my vacation I'm like hmm, we well, should do that he's like i think that would be kind of nice do that you yeah. know, like, that's what yeah, I told him. Like, yeah. Like, what a weird thing, right? Like, a, whoa, a weird thing for somebody to say that I've never done. But how many listeners are, are on here that have never done that? Yeah. I, I have. I burned my two weeks shed hunting. <laughs> this just weeks ago when we should have done our podcast, right? Um, that was, uh, you know, I, I do that every year. And then work extra to be able to afford to keep doing all the other things that I want to do in August and September and and, and multiple other times during the year, you know, and that's not always available to everybody, but, but if you're making excuses too, you're also not living life yeah. <laughs> to the fullest maybe that you could be. So yeah, for sure. Oh my yeah. gosh. This is like, okay. So we definitely, I definitely got to do a part two with you because like I have so many questions about, I can't believe how much time has gone by already. I, yeah, I don't even know what time it is. Yeah. So. We, I mean, we've been on the, we've been on the phone for, you called me about 5.15 my time. Yeah, so like 8.15 my time. And it's 10 o'clock right now. So yeah. I think you like definitely have to. I, I have like 100 thoughts going on in my head right now. And I won't be quiet if I keep them going. Um, thank you so much for like your time and in the story. And I can't wait to talk to you again and like follow, follow along with you. Um, is there anywhere that people can like find you or follow, follow you or hear from you. Yeah. Um, so I have Facebook. I only have it because my girlfriend likes to tag me and things. So the rest of my family can see it because I don't post to Facebook. I actually don't use it at all anymore. 
Um, but I do have an Instagram because I'm all about pictures and not about reading. And so, uh, yeah, it's just, I think it's Justin Houseal, H-O-U-S-E-A-L. That's it, like one word. <laughs> and uh, that's it. Uh, it's not, uh, it's not, there's some stuff on there, I guess, like hunts and different things that I've done. I don't follow all the rules. I don't do throwbacks. I don't do all the stories. I don't do all that stuff. But, yeah, it's, um, I guess, too, you know, if people had true and honest questions about moving to alaska i would be you know interested in chatting with them um because i'm gonna hit them with the real positives and negatives so if they wanted to message me that they were actually serious about it you know i would consider it but i'm not really all into being a travel agent so that'd be my <laughs> i could see it going that way too i guess you know like yeah. hey i'm coming to alaska where should i where go should I well go? i don't yeah. know maybe look it up on google yeah but uh yeah if you were actually touched by this and you were like man you know that'd be kind of cool i'd, I'd give you some points tips but... oh my gosh okay so everybody listening go check out his instagram and like and if you see and you want to know about like a certain hunt or have me ask him questions for round two, let me know, reach out to me so we could like yeah. talk about some of this stuff. Cause I, I do have so many more things and I am very appreciative of your time. And this has like been very motivating and like a kick in the pants for me. Well, that's to good. Remember that's, to that's what I wanted it. Keep. That's what I wanted it to be. We knew for a little while now that we were going to, we were going to chat. And so I had a little time to reflect and that's what I wanted. I want people to, go outside their comfort zone, do something that they never would have done. Get in the truck and drive 3,600 miles to a place you've never been and live there. That's crazy. <laughs> that is crazy. So, but remember your family when you do that. Yeah. So, no. family's what you, what you got support. Yeah. But. Thank you. Oh my gosh. Thank you so much. And I am just so grateful for this. And I, I am, you've been awesome. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. No, no, thank you. It's fun. Okay, what did I tell you guys? Seriously, this episode got me in all the, the feels, and I'm pretty much ready just to sell my things and move to Alaska. <laughs> Is she kidding? I don't know. Uh, probably not Alaska right now, but I am so inspired by this, and I, I hope that you guys got something out of this and just loved hearing his story. He's such a great speaker, and I am so excited for what him and his girlfriend have um, like coming in the future. And I've already talked to Justin after this episode and we're going to hopefully set up a part two and hear a little bit more about their journey. So if you guys have questions or more you want to hear about, check out his social media and like see what this guy's all about, honestly, and send me like questions or if there's things you want me to ask Justin, because I'm really looking forward to part two. I think that would come out in a month or so. Um, hopefully we get to meet in person, but Justin, I'm so grateful for your time. Thank you so much. Your story is really cool and very inspiring and something you don't hear about very much. So thank you again. And to all of you for being here. Thanks for joining the podcast. And until next time.